1: pregnancy loss and bereavement we may also be sweary from time to time we are optimistic light-hearted girls but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners we respect that
0: in this week's show i am talking to sarah manning sarah is an award-winning senior yoga instructor with over 25 years of international yoga teaching experience she has taught yoga in singapore Australia and China, and she also holds a Bachelor of Science in Engineering. Since 1997, she has led fertility yoga workshops for women and is the online course facilitator for Be Natural, Singapore's three-day and 30-day fertility challenge. Sarah is also the co-founder of Optimal Reproductive Health, a holistic fertility and preconception company, and she has guided couples in the use of Qigong and yoga in the development of a solid, well-rounded fertility strategy. Sarah has 15 years of Qigong training and is now president of Qi Dynamics Singapore. Sarah Manning, welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast.
2: Delighted to be here.
0: Could you start, Sarah, just by telling us a little bit about your story, because obviously you also have an engineering background, and how you 've ended up in the fertility world
2: I guess we start with the engineering. The mind of an engineer is logical and analytical, and one of the key things about yoga is that it 's a science it 's a science of the body it 's a science of the mind, and it 's a science of the breath and everything in between. I followed my husband to um, the Middle East and then to Singapore and trying to convince an engineering company to employ me when I only had two years at best in that country was not going to happen. And I tried for about 10 years to establish a career and just keep my career profile up and running. But in the end, I just, in anger, gave up and said, that's it. I'm going to do what makes me happy. And it just so happened that I had met my mentor The yoga teacher that was to inspire me to become a yoga teacher just before then, her name was Harriet Russell, and she came from the Kripalu School of Yoga from Massachusetts. And she was way ahead of her era. She basically said, this is women's yoga. And at that time, we had little audio cassette tapes, which was yoga for menstruation, yoga for back pain yoga for menopause. So even that long ago, there was this movement recognizing that the yoga for women needs to be different. From then, I did my teacher training. I went to live in China, got very heavily involved in all things healing in China, and then came back to Singapore again. Now, one of the wonderful things about Singapore is that it's a gateway to all things healing, both Chinese and Indian. In the 30-odd years I've been in Singapore, I've had the opportunity to study with some amazing teachers, both those resident in Singapore and those just passing through on their way to other places. That's amazing. Can I just very quickly ask, did you have any interest in yoga before you
0: met Harriet Russell?
2: Yes. When I was choosing my path at school age, I was at a girls' grammar school and I had a, a dad who was convinced that I was so good at mathematics it would be wasted if I didn't mm. use it and so he was the one who persuaded me to do engineering and I probably would have chosen physiotherapy
0: ah so your heart's always been in this type of physical kind of healing space so it's always been there
2: mm. in order to be a really good engineer I think you have to have a a male approach to life. You have to have a strong, can I use yang, as in yang is the male aspect, yin is the female aspect. I'm a very soft follower. And therefore, I was never destined to be a spearheading um, engineer. It just wasn't in me. Hmm, So interesting. I guess the next
0: question I want to ask is, I think most people have a a general idea of what yoga is, but I fully appreciate there are many different types of yoga. But what would you say is fertility yoga? What makes it different, if anything?
2: Fertility yoga is a subset of the whole work of yoga. So first of all, maybe I should just talk about yoga. Yoga is not gymnastics. It's not doing backflips and cartwheels. It's not touching your toes. (laughs) The best way of describing yoga, if you lift up your hand and you've got five digits, your thumb is the physical body. So yes, we do work the physical body, but we also work on the energy and vitality. We work on the mind looking outward. That's very much about your hormones and interacting with the outside world. Then we work on the mind looking inward, your ability to focus. And finally, most important part of yoga is the sense of celebration and joy in life. That is what yoga is about.
0: Now, that I can get on board with.
2: Right, so now let's come to what is fertility yoga. It is a form of therapeutic yoga. So that means that we're looking to see a change in the health of a particular practitioner, particularly for women. So let's look at the physical body and what has happened in the last shall we say, 100 years. In the last 100 years, women have had the opportunity to go to school. Women have had the opportunity to go to work. And in the last 50 years, most women go to school, go to college and go to work. And in all of those activities, you are sat. That means that, and I want you to imagine that my pelvis is like a really big bucket And inside that bucket, it is chock full of organs and blood and body fluids and stuff. And that stuff just sits there, stagnating the longer you sit. Because women have got such a big bucket, guys have got a much narrower bucket. And so the effect is less pronounced. So we have got women who have been sitting throughout their their lives with stagnation in their pelvis and in their organs within the abdomen, including ovaries and the womb. So the very first activity has to be movement, has to be compression, has to be opening, has to be twisting of the belly the opening of your hips releasing into the groin. So it's about movement of the body fluids within the belly. When there is stagnation, that's when we often get pain, according to the traditional Chinese medicine. Where there is stagnation, there is pain. And many women are struggling with, for instance, endometriosis. This is a disease of stagnation. It is extremely painful. And so our mission is to get the blood and the lymph, because we're also talking about the immune system here, the ability of your body's white blood cells to heal and restore and rebuild. And again, it's that lymph moving through the groin. We've all got lots of lymph nodes in that groin and just leaving them closed up without the movement creates a problem. So there are basically four main threads to fertility yoga. The first is the physical, where we're moving and we're getting blood through the belly. We're opening up the hips. We're getting energy. The next thing is energy, okay? What is the difference between my body and a corpse? We have muscles, we have bones, we have skin, we have organs. But what makes us alive? Energy. Potential difference. Now, this is where engineering is particularly useful because engineers are not suspicious of the word energy. We're very comfortable with it. And in the body, we have many forms of what I would call a potential difference. So, I could have something more positive and something more negative. I could have something more magnetized north and south. I could have higher pressure, lower pressure. I could have, even within a cell, I could have higher concentrations and lower concentrations. And if it's a semi-permeable membrane, then again, there would be movement, there would be change. So within the body, there are a whole range of different potential differences, which enable the body to function. Energy is a potential difference. When I talk about chi or energy, or the Indian word is prana, The Western people tend to call it vital energy, but really it's just a group name for all the different potential differences that happen in the body, which is alive. The Chinese have done thousands of years of experimentation with this word energy, and they have created a whole healing story related to energy. So when you have acupuncture and they put a needle in one place and a needle in another place, they might put an alternating battery between those two needles to try and force the energy, electrical energy, through the layers of the meridian connecting those two points. So the Chinese use energy for all of their healing modalities, right? So our next level of fertility yoga is to stimulate the meridians, those are the main highways of energy in the body that travel through the inside of the leg through the groin through the ovaries and through the womb so these are so anything that's on the inside is called a yin meridian anything on the outside is called a yang meridian coming up the inside of the leg you've got the kidney notice how it's kidney again liver and spleen energies traveling up the inside of the leg through the ovaries and womb. And when there is blockage in these meridians, then we get disease, illness, or pain. So we do something called yin yoga. Yin yoga is um, a posture which is floor-based, often with a lot of props, where we hold the posture for up to five minutes and we are stimulating the connective tissue. Now, it just so happens that connective tissue happens to be a semiconductor. That means that electrical charge travels in one direction easier than the other. Guess what? Meridians travel in one direction, not the other. Also, it's a piezoelectric material, and that is used in Qigong. We are talking about the free movement of the vital energy through meridians, through the ovaries and womb. I'm really glad that you
0: explained this idea of blockages because it is one of the things. I love acupuncture, and I've heard of this idea of blockages before, but I never really fully understood it, to be honest. And I love the way you've explained it because that makes perfect sense to me. The engineering overlap with this is incredible. So thank you for explaining that part. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating.
2: Mm. The third aspect of fertility yoga is where I want you to breathe into your diaphragm throughout the entire practice. People who are sitting at a desk, particularly if they're sitting slightly slumped, just tilt your pelvis back slightly and feel yourself slumping. Can you feel how you've sort of filled the space where the diaphragm might move into? And now if you just tilt the pelvis forward slightly and sit up tall, all of a sudden we've created space for the diaphragm. Diaphragmatic breathing is very important. We should be doing diaphragmatic breathing all day, but we don't. Why? Because we're sitting in poor posture, number one. Number two, we have such tension in the shoulders and neck that we end up breathing just beneath the clavicular bones in the upper respiratory area. So we don't actually breathe down into our diaphragm at all. Why is it so important? Well, the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is a nerve which travels from the brain, it doesn't go down the spinal cord, it travels in a sort of zigzaggy way down to the organs beneath the diaphragm, the stomach, the liver, all of these organs, which are related to very fundamental parts of our functioning system here. The vagus nerve is part of the parasympathetic nervous system. When the parasympathetic nervous system is switched on, we are in what's called rest and restore. That means there's a signal which goes back to the brain, which is the control system, and says okay guys we don't need the arms and legs we don't need to fight and we don't need to run so we're going to send blood and chi and energy to the organs in the middle of the body we are going to do some digestion we're going to do some healing we're going to work on our reproduction right so if we are totally stressed all day right? And then we go home and we watch a, a cop show with guns and, and we're still on the go, right? And then we go to bed and, oh, it's probably midnight anyway. And we then don't get a good night's sleep and we're just, we're just in this loop of constant fight and flight. We never heal the body. We never digest our food properly. And our reproductive system doesn't get the blood that it needs. Obviously, stress,
0: fertility, the fertility journey, the appointments, the injections, the needles. We've had so many guests on who have been talking about hiding the meds at work, storing the meds in the fridge, literally transporting medication from one place to another, especially if you're in a hot country. Life is stressful enough. And then you've got the whole fertility aspect on top. It does sound like a recipe for mini disaster when it comes to everything you've just said.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Stress management is very much part of your fertility journey. And most people see yoga as being just stress management. Um, I can't tell you the number of people who've phoned me and they've said, I'm having my egg implanted in two weeks time. Can you help me? When in fact, if she had come to me three months before, if she had changed her sleeping, going to bed at 10 o'clock, if she had changed her hydration, if she had changed her toxic overload, if she had started practicing yoga and abdominal breathing three months ago, she might well have been pregnant.
0: Where have you taken that number from, like the three months, the 12 weeks sign, if you would just explain to our listeners? Because I think three months is very important as well. Um, but yeah, where has that number come from?
2: Well, it's usually the absolute minimum I can get away with. If we want to turn health around, then three months is the absolute minimum, really. Yep.
0: Sorry to interrupt, but I know that so many of you are preparing for fertility treatment in 2024. So why not kickstart your fitness and fertility journey by signing up to my two-week free trial? You will have access to all of my fertility-focused training plans, meal plans, weekly check-ins, and live workouts. For more information and to sign up to start your free trial, go to my website, fitnessfertility.com. And now,
1: back to the show.
2: Have we got one more aspect of fertility yoga left? We do. The last part is the yin and yang balance. So I'm using Chinese terms there. Yang is the masculine way of being. It's about goals, it's to-do lists, it's macho, it's demonstration, it's outward strength. And yin is softer, gentler, intuitive, creative. I need my students to start recognizing that there needs to be a balance of yin and yang in their lives, in their work-life balance, Mm -hmm. in their approach to relationships. Every aspect of their being, this balance of yin and yang. And so if someone is, let's say, a lawyer, okay, and she's traveling and she's working till midnight because there's a big project on, and the weekend she does training for a triathlon, what's wrong with this picture? Well, it's all yang. It's very masculine. It's not bringing balance to our being. And so I need her to find time in her day to do things which are creative, to do things connected with nature, to start connecting with her intuition and what her own body is telling her, not the app, not her doctor, but the woman herself. So she needs to stop. She needs to go into a position that is comfortable where it is preferably a sense of nurturing and holding, tune in to her deeper intuitive self, her creative self, and really connect with a sense of balance back in her body again. The restorative yoga aspect is important. And tied in with that would be something called yoga nidra, where we take the mind on a journey and then With a a sophisticated yoga nidra practice, we actually throw in brain triggers and give you an opportunity to observe your response to those brain triggers. So we are working on the subconscious. What are the traumas subconsciously within your body that are holding tension and bracing for your body? Okay,
0: so psychology head is now on. That could open a floodgate of so many things And I say this with respect because I know how professionally experienced you are. That's a very potentially serious box that you are unlocking there. So how how has that been for you with people that you're helping?
2: First of all, I always um, respect the boundaries Mm. of my own profession. And Mm. when flags get raised, whether it is here's someone with a really bad slip disc or whether it's somebody with Childhood trauma that is just triggering stuff. Okay. You always work as part of a professional team in any kind of therapeutic environment. So that's really important. And, you know, when you're working privately, you can give a nurturing space, but that's effectively all I'm doing. I'm providing a nurturing space, I'm providing a voice, I'm providing an emotional structure. But as soon as a red flag goes up, then that's when we, we bring in the, the heavy guys. <laughs> <gas. laughs> yeah. I had one student who, she'd been coming to me for about a year, and at the end of every class, we lie down and we relax, and I talk you through a visualization. And it took her 12 months, and I was actually stood there watching her when she physically went <sighs> wow. and she actually let go of some really deep, and she's lying there for 10 minutes, and she'd been doing it for a year, but it took that long to feel safe. It doesn't happen overnight, these things. Hmm. Sometimes it does. I walked in to cover a class of yin about a year ago, and this lady just burst into tears. There and then, we, we'd <laughs> oh, no. done a physical stretch She was on her knees. She had her arms stretched along the floor and her her heart was open, sinking towards the floor. And she just burst into tears. Now, this is not unusual in yoga therapy. And in fact, there's a wonderful guy called Michael Lee based in Phoenix in America. And he does, I think it's called Phoenix Rising Yoga, if I'm not wrong. He uses yoga for trauma and um, psychotherapy. So if anyone is interested to explore that deeper, I haven't done that training. I dream of doing that training, but not yet.
0: I think in the future, we will do an episode on trauma, fertility and everything that goes with it. So we've got the four aspects of fertility yoga. So we've got Hatha. And then the second aspect was the energy. And then the third aspect we had breathing into the diaphragm. And then the fourth aspect, we had the yin and the yang. The theory of this is absolutely fascinating. How do we actually get started here? How would someone actually start practicing fertility yoga?
2: Well, they could come and find me. Um, So I teach online and during COVID, I was working with the team at Be Natural and we now have a program of preconception care and consists of a 30 minute class, which is recorded. And there are 30 of them. So you sign up for a month. It's not expensive. <laughs> and that just takes you through from day one of your cycle through to the next cycle. So each day of that program is tailored around your menstrual cycle, because it's not just during menstruation that we can change our yoga practice to optimize our health and well-being. We can actually change our practice throughout So each week of your menstrual cycle, I could change, I mean, I do, I change the yoga that I teach, number one. Number two, we are using the old science from India called Ayurveda. Now, in Ayurveda, we categorize your imbalance at this moment into three different doshas or imbalances. A dosha is an imbalance. You are born with an imbalance and your environmental nurturing can change that imbalance. So at any Mm. one time, your imbalance today can be different. Okay. Mm. Now, if I'm going to make this really, really stupidly extreme and realizing that most people are not these extremes, number one is the type A person who is hyper. So, she has a different form of yoga to someone who's perhaps heavy, loyal, steady, slow. Okay, so we've got hyper, we've got slow, and then I think I'm going to call them the artifarties. <laughs> <laughs> and who are very artistic and just are a little bit fragile. So, they have a different yoga practice. For instance, if I was to give you a triple cappuccino mm. and I was to give it to the first group, it wouldn't help them calm down. But if I gave it to the second group, they would actually really benefit because they would get psyched up and moving and their energy would be more balanced. And the third group would probably be fatigued by it. Hmm. So the yoga practice can be, if we're working from a therapeutic methodology, we can tailor the yoga practice to suit your imbalance today, your Ayurveda imbalance
0: I love the cycle tracking aspect of it. I absolutely couldn't agree more. And this idea of imbalancing, again, it might have to be that we come back to this at a later date. I mean, you have had such an interesting life so far, from engineering to yoga. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self?
2: Give yourself space to listen to your intuition. We keep searching for answers outside But we never actually stop and listen to our own intuition and trust it and believe in it.
0: I actually got goosebumps because um, I think that summarises so much of the fertility journey. I feel strangely very emotional right now. I think that's a very, very emotional thing to say. And it ties into self-advocating. It ties into everything from suspecting that something's wrong we had um sophie salaria on the show last week and she said she just knew her intuition was and she was right we've had people come on and talk through their pregnancy experience where they've known that something isn't quite right i've known people when they've got their babies and they've known that something is quite right and a lot of the time people have to fight quite strongly just for that intuition to be to be heard i think thank you just to finish us off. Would it be possible for you just to give us a quick breathing technique before you go, just for anyone that's listening and is perhaps thinking, I very much want to stop. I very much want to tune into my own intuition.
2: No problem at all. I teach a lot of Qigong, the science of breath. And I want you to breathe into your diaphragm. And how we're going to do that is we're going to tap into the Qigong water breath. Water is cooling. Water is descending. And when lots of bubbling energy and thoughts and chaos is rising up into your head, we can draw those thoughts back into the earth again. All right. So this is a very simple exercise, but you're going to breathe in passively, whatever feels natural, in through the nose. And then you're going to purse your lips and Imagine I've got a candle in front of your lips and that candle flame is going to bend, but it's not going to flicker. So it's the softest, slowest, smoothest breath out you can. So let's do one together. Breathe in, purse the lips and blow. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12. Make it just a natural amount and then breathe in. If you are comfortable with that, I'd like you to now push it to 13. So breathe in, press your lips and blow. Let's see if we can make it comfortable. No strain. Blow out and breathe in. And let's try 14. Now no strain at all. In. You're going to be doing it for five minutes, so there's no hurry. So if you want to stay at 12 and just settle into 12, that's great. If you want to just nudge it, just keep nudging it a little bit longer, a little bit slower. The slower your breathing rate, the slower your heart rate. The signals from the brain going to the adrenal glands switch off the adrenaline and cortisol. So all of that anxiety, all of that pressure, all of that pushing and shoving and yang energy in your body is reduced.
0: Thank you for guiding us through that. And I already feel calmer and I know it was only a minute or so. It was actually just lovely just to take a minute. Sarah, if our listeners would like to find
2: you, would like to get in touch with you, how do they do so? Well, I have an Instagram account Sarah Manning Yoga. I have a website that just has my email address in there. So you just send me an email or head to Optimal Reproductive Health would find its way to me.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show. I have literally written five pages of notes, which I'm going to go away and read over. And I'm going to be looking for ways to implement a lot of this into my own life. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: My absolute pleasure.
1: Maria, I have learned so much about yoga the last half an hour i can't even begin i agree with what sarah said when she said it's not gymnastics i used to think (laughs) that yoga you had to be super stretchy in order to do yoga and the idea that it's actually very little about the movement and it's more about the breath and the intention and what's happening internally really fascinating I agree. And I think what I love about Sarah's approach is it is so holistic and there is so much
0: psychology in there. And it might be coming in under different names, whether it's
1: the Chinese names or the Indian names, but it's all there. Deep learning, deep cultural learning, and not just from the Western point of view, but from others. And that's brilliant. Completely agree. So, Maria, we have gone from the spiritual to next week when we are very much back in the practical. We are. So
0: next week,
1: we are talking with Lucy from Gaia.
0: And I cannot wait to talk to Lucy. Gaia is an incredible organisation and they make IVF more accessible for more families because we all know when it comes to IVF, it can be incredibly expensive and people need to pay for it. So tune in next week to listen to Lucy from Gaia to find out how they can help you on your own fertility journey. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week. And please rate, comment, and really importantly share with your friends, especially
1: our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first, Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.